Hello, my friends, and welcome to this week's New World Kirtan podcast. It's Tuesday, May 14th, 2013. I'm Kitsy Stern, and I host and produce the show as an act of love and service to our Kirtan community. It's also an audio journal of my spiritual journey through the practice of singing and playing Kirtan. Last week, I had the pleasure of interviewing Donna DeLore. She's appearing at Shakti Fest this weekend, and our conversation covered a lot of ground. We talked about her six international tours as a background singer and dancer for Madonna. We talked about George Harrison and the evolution of her cover of My Sweet Lord from last year's Bhakti Fest, and how her dad's illness and death affected the music on her new CD, Unchanging. I have loved Donna's work for years, and it was really great to have the chance to get to know her a little better. If you'd like to catch her set on Friday night at 7.30, you can tune in to the live stream at the New World Kirtan website. Go to the website and then go to the top of the page where it says Community and scroll down and click on Live Streaming. And that's where we'll be. Next time in the Bhav at Shakti Fest, my friends. Namaste. Donna, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. It's so great to be here with you. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. It just I, I got in town from Charleston from being out on tour last night, and it just rained, and then we had a little more rain last night, and I'm just looking out at, I live in Topanga Canyon in the mountains. I'm looking out on the mountains, and the beautiful trees are just shining oh, from the rain, and everything's clean. Yeah, very, I feel really grateful to be back home and safe and sound in my home. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just you just finished up a tour in the Southwest, didn't you, with Dave Stringer? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was a part of the country. Like, I I partially grew up to Na- in Nashville, Tennessee. My dad and I moved there when I was a teenager. I finished high school there. But oh. I ever, like, I've never toured around that area, like Atlanta, North Carolina, South Carolina. And, you know, I've been playing music for a while now on my own. And I, I love to go to new places. And it was a really sweet tour. We did four dates in a row, and before that, a festival in Indiana, and in between Indiana and and a, well, in Atlanta, uh, we stopped in Nashville. travel around especially like going around the south and everything you realize that I mean obviously Christianity is just so huge in this country and so is Christian music and this is a whole nother thing okay there's devotional music there's Christian music that's got they have Christian charts it's so powerful you know it's a lot of it's tied in with country and everything but where is the other devotional music 
Like, what about people that aren't Christians? Well, and see, when I want to um, draw a parallel, I tell people that kirtan is sort of like praise music. It is. It's. It, it is, is. It's praise music, isn't it? I mean, isn't that what music? Yes, it is. It's praise music, and I always felt natural singing about God and singing about that. Um, my path. It always felt really natural to me, and I kind of like started doing it through the the myth, you know, being inspired by mythology and little bits and pieces of the teachings here and there and quotes I would find, you know, as far as how it would get into my lyrics. But it's it's just so it's so universal now. to me to get that it's not about it's not about any religion yeah this is what I think I was trying to make this point about like I just love to sing you know praise and I love to sing about how grateful I am and how blessed I feel and how it's like what I said to my dad you know when we'd be watching a sunset and it was like some of his last days and I'd just say dad aren't we so blessed to be seeing this right now to be part of this mm. isn't this you know, here's a new day God has laid on our doorstep. Let's rejoice and be glad we're in it. Yes. You know, let's rejoice. And I wanted to sing songs like that. Like, but I wasn't quite, my mom was raised to a Catholic and she didn't really take me to church. And I didn't belong to any church as a kid, but I wanted to, you know, and to me, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't about religion. You know, it was about truth. Yeah. And for us to yoga union linking back to this truth that's been there since the very beginning of time as we know it yeah and it's it's a place a lot of people have the feeling when they're going through that death experience they get to that place of peace that they're going back to that but i don't want to wait until then to feel it i want to try to have it now yeah i want to have it here i want heaven to be right here right now and i want to do i want to make music that that create that space that I feel it and if I'm feeling it hopefully other people can feel it as well
So when I was listening to your new CD, um, Unchanging, I experienced all this emotion coming up and I couldn't understand why that was until I went and read your bio and it said that you had you had written a lot of unchanging or most of it I guess after your dad passed and I I wonder if you talk a little bit about that and how that affected that this new CD yeah I mean a lot of the uh, a lot of the record was pretty much written I had the concepts I usually have a concept for each song and a sound that I want to create you know I also I love to produce even though it's it's a big it's a big job and a big responsibility, but I really love it. And and I come from my dad was a producer, uh-huh. so I was raised hanging out under consoles, like sleeping under studio consoles, and running around Capitol Records as a child. So I got to, you know, I was always looking up to my dad. And and to have a parent that does something that they love, that's they're passionate about, is was such a blessing. Also that it was music and it resonated so deeply with my soul. And I I mean, from as soon as I could start singing, I mean, I remember singing and, you know, sitting by my dad's side when he was at the piano. So a lot of the record, you know, was created in this time where I was taking care of my dad was towards the end of his life. And my dad was still like, even though like he had dementia and he couldn't really play anymore, he could play, but not his his uh, elaborate arrangements that he had played with his Latin jazz salsa band. And he'd always be bugging me like, get me some gigs, you know, <laughs> you gotta get me some gigs. You gotta work on my walking, you know? And I was like taking care of my dad in the last couple of years of his life. So, you know, it brought up a lot of, you know, dealing with those issues, obviously looking at my own life, my own relationship, you know, with my children as a mother, mm-hmm. as a human being, as a creator, mm-hmm. as a, you know, it was so much was it was um, right in front of my face. So a lot of the record, it was my comfort in that time. And I'd also like play the piano for my dad and he would play. So it was a lot of like, it was a music was there um, helping me heal through this process and helping me go through it. So the morning that my dad passed, I was working on the lyrics to the first track on the record, which I call the Gayatri Mantra. It's it's a s- typical Donna Dolores song. It's like got some lyric and you know, English lyric, and then I go into a mantra, and and it's kind of like the English kind of reflects what the mantra means to me. And um, that morning, I was sitting here. My dad was. I kept checking on him because I knew he was going to go any minute, and I was working on the lyrics. Um, and it's kind of like, we are universal light, no separation, only one, you and I, here I was like holding my dad's hand as he was passing. And I was thinking, it says, come, let's walk together on the other side where we're never born, where we never die. We're energy, we're universal light. Um, and that's how I was feeling with my dad. I was trying to hold that space. Come, let's walk together. Get, 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 get. 
This record is really personal to me, and in the end, it was the last voice message my dad left me before he had spoken. He couldn't really talk anymore. It's a, just a little personal bit for me, but I also did it in a way so I could always hear my dad's voice, you know. Yeah. And and I'm I always forget it's on there. I'll be listening to the record, and all of a sudden he comes in, and it's just like it's like he's coming into me in my dream. He's kind of surprising me, <laughs> and I want that, you know. A lot of people are like, you know, have that idea of like, well. Past is the past. You move on. It's not, you know. But I like, I love that sweet remembering.、Mm. You know, it's a. I don't mind having that, carrying that with my dad every day because that I use it in a really beautiful, positive way. It that sweet remembering gets me to sit down at the piano, and play more, and it reminds me to live my life more fully and to be. Be passionate about my work and be a great artist. Other people that I've I have talked to who have experienced the death of a parent, it's always a very profound. It it can be profound, and、um, the the Kirtan Kriya was what got me through the Sata Nama with the、um, finger motions because it always kept bringing me back to what was real. What was real? What was real was that this is all part of life. It's all part of of life, and.、Um, What was happening、uh, was scary a lot of times, but it was part of—it's part of life. And I never really got the point of my spiritual practice until my mom died. And the spiritual practice was what was what was the—that was the rope, you know. That was that was what pulled me up and pulled me through. Absolutely. I mean, even you know, when my dad was passing that morning, we set up music, and I mean, my dad was into Latin music. He was like. If you were talking to him, you know, hanging out with him, you would be hearing like all about the Latin music he was into. <laughs> his music, and he was all about that. And my music, it was really fun. He loved, of course, me and my artistry. But he always said those songs go on so long. <laughs> He's like, they just keep going. It's like, yeah, I know. It's like chant and it's sacred chant and it's mantras and that's the whole point. But he never quite in his his mind didn't get it. But I think his soul got it. Yeah. It like you had said. It this it the whole point is that music is a tool and it can take us to so many places. Yeah. This music, for me and for a lot of people, takes them back to their center point of where we all come from, where we all go back to, and this truth and this universal love space. And I was feeling it so、mm. deep. And that's how I feel about my dad. All the things that needed to be let go of, so I could fully embrace my dad as my beloved, and hold him, and feel like my heart felt like it was just gonna bust. I felt more love than I've ever felt in my life for the beloved, you know. And here I was holding my dad as my child, as my father, as my brother, you know. The most intense, significant relationship of my life, and I'm holding him, feeling this love, and that was the gift. And I was blessed to have this beautiful music as a tool, also to help me go deeper in this experience. And that's a real, obviously,、uh, extreme example of, you know, a, a moment in our lives that is transformative, and the way that we could have music there for to help us get through things. 
Um, but I believe more and more as I evolved as an artist that music is a tool and I want to, I want to contribute and bringing people to a, a place that's more in their hearts, higher state of consciousness, bring them out of their pain and out of that victim place, out of the, the mind yeah. that just keeps going around in circles to this more of an understanding about what truth is. And like you had said, you didn't really get it fully until all these concepts and everything that we've been studying and whatever it is, chanting and our affirmations every day. It's so simple when you're going through a process like this. And it's like, oh, it's so simple. And it takes away all your own fear. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole point. This body is not me. I am neither 
I know that you were, well, most of us know that you were um, a background singer, a backup singer for Madonna for six international tours. That's a long time. Yeah, it was like 20 years. I remember the last, yeah, there was like a last closing prayer of the last tour I did with her. And I remember she was going around the room and acknowledging every person and saying, oh, you know, it was so great to work with you and you're so this and that. And she got to me and she was like, Donna. You know, she's like, I've been with you, the, you've been with me the longest. And she's trying to explain to people like how, you know, I'd been there over right. like 20 years, 20 years and how much I had been a part of her whole thing and her evolution and everything, which was, it was beautiful to acknowledge that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a, such a, I was a different person, let's just say when I stopped working with her to when I started. I bet. And it, it must have been really interesting to watch her evolve as an artist and as a musician. And you were doing your own evolving it, it, along the way, right, from what you've told me. That, yeah. that, you know, what you were doing with Madonna in some ways led you to what you're doing now. Would you say that's accurate or how would you, how would you, how would you link the two? In something like that, there's like the big star and then there's everyone else. Mm. You know, and as I worked with her more and more, I, I learned more how to take care of myself to get what I needed. I became more of an artist along the way. You know, she influenced me a lot. Of course, being a woman who has her eye on everything, she took, she was the producer, co-producer. You know, she wrote her own music. She directed the band. Mm. She, you know, took, chose all the video footage and she was like the co-director of the whole thing. Even, I mean, to pick in all her photos, I mean, she did everything. And I really, like, I watched that. Wow. And I went, you know, there were things like that that I was like, okay, that's me. I can do that because I have that capacity to oversee myself in that way, working with people. And then then other things where she had, like, a child and she had a person taking care of her child all the time. And this is what I saw because we were touring, so it was probably the most intense time for her of the year. Mm. Or the two years that, you know, whatever it was, that cycle, two, three years between touring. And I would, you know, there's certain things I would see that I wouldn't want. Then I would say, wow, you know, when I have a kid, I think I want to be there more for my kid. And whatever it was, I would, I got to see her and observe a lot and make decisions for myself of what I wanted. Hmm. And when I first started working with her, you know, and then I released my own records and I was out in dance clubs and singing my little song. Was it just a dream? Did I feel your devotion? Whatever it was in these clubs. And it was just, it was really hard. You know, I didn't feel connected to the music and these scenes and I had to go around everywhere promoting my record. And I was, I just remember like, why am I doing this? Like I was miserable. Why am I doing this? And then I'd talk to her, you know, and I'd be like, this is so hard. I mean, I got to go and play like every bar in Scotland and England and every dance club. And, and she was like, what do you think I did for years? Uh huh. She's like, what do you think I did? Were you doing spiritual music then, Kirtan then? No, no. This was like pop, pop music, you know, mm -hmm. pop rock. And, and, it, and it, it just wasn't my heart and soul. Mm -hmm. So I, I was miserable and I had to just rethink the whole thing and I thought well maybe I don't you know I thought about her she just wanted it so so bad and I I thought well maybe I just don't want that that bad 
My main thing that I got back to was that I want to do music that I love, that I feel connected with. This is the way I grew up with my father, loving music. Um, it was my heart and soul, so I had to get back to that. I ended up leaving my label. And but then I finally said, I have to just start again. I have to start from the beginning. And I have to just, I have to do what I love. And I have to find what I love and then do it. And then one thing led to another. I started learning mantras. I started singing mantras in the middle of my songs and at the end. Mm -hmm. So when I would do my performances, I'd be at the Grape Street Pub in Philly. And I'd be singing, you know, my song on and on. In the middle of it, I would sing, And everyone's like at the bar, like... <laughs> what was that? <laughs> they're like ordering shots, yelling at whatever they're yelling at. And I'm singing like Ganapatiyam. And it all kind of started there. And then I met David Newman in the uh, produce section of the Fresh Fields, <laughs> like a Whole Foods in Philly. After It was after that night at that pub when I was playing. And I just went in and I said to my manager, these are the people I need to play for and with. Where are they? Where do they go hear music? And... All of a sudden, I look over and there's David Newman in the produce section, and we just like catch each other's eye, and we start talking. And he said, he said, well, I have a yoga studio, and why don't you come over and hang out? We'll chant tonight. You know, I had another gig that night. He said, come over and we'll chant and everything. And I was like, and that was kind of new for me. You know, I was like, okay, great. This guy was really cool, cute guy. You know, I'm like, okay, so. We went over and I hung out with him. We became friends. And David was, and he was not Durgadas yet. I mean, it was David Newman. And he just was my, he became a good friend. And I started playing my concerts at his yoga center. And we did a house concert and like that, the whole community around that center came out and really supported me. Wow. And that was a new thing for me. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I should play yoga centers now. long after that a record company came to me and said it was a small record company that kind of came out of like Guru Mook studio umbrella kundalini yoga LA scene called Ajna and they said okay we want to invest in you doing a mantra CD because like yoga is getting really big and we think that you know you obviously are a great songwriter and we want you to write songs with these mantras and I said well I know like two you know <laughs> It's like, I know a couple, but I could go hang with David Newman and hang with, you know, Dave Stringer a little bit and listen to more, some more Jayutala records and see what happens. So that's how Lover and the Beloved came to be. Uh -huh. And I, I always call it baby's first mantras because they were like my first mantras. And my baby at the time, I just had a child on my own and I would have like the babysitter there. And a lot of the times 
I was making that record and my my baby was in her little PlayStation and she was in the studio and on a lot of that record you could hear her like Ugh. like <laughs> we just kept her in there you know she was playing while I was doing these mantras and recording to say Sham Das, a little thing about Sham Das, oh. you know, speaking of him and his loving memory and everything. Um, I just remember him like looking at me. I went to one of his first like years ago when he was playing at Guru Mook's um, place. He was playing and, and talking a lot about, you know, from his more kind of scholarly point of view. Um, he would see my set and I remember he'd get right in the front row and he'd just be like, he'd have his hand on his face kind of like shrugging. I don't know, he just this certain look. And I really respected him and his scholarly wisdom and everything. And here I am, I'm thinking like, what is he thinking? I'm mispronouncing the mantra or what, you mm -hmm. know? Like he would, at first he was kind of like tripping me out. And, and I thought, I don't know what's going on here, but he was kind of just studying me and the band and, and he was very intense. And afterwards, he'd, he'd come up to me and give me a really big hug. And he'd admit, he'd say, I, I got to admit, like, I didn't know what you were doing. You know, he's like, you're jumping around, you're speaking <laughs> English. And he's like, he's like, but, and he got the smile on his face. And he looked at me deep in the eyes. He goes, but you're in the bob. Uh -huh. He said, you're in the bob. And it's all about the bob. And you're in it.
I I do want to talk to you a little bit about the um, about how the track "My Sweet Lord" developed, and this is a track by George Harrison that I heard I, I can't countless times. You know, when I was um, younger, and I never made the connection between George Harrison and chanting until recently. And so, could you talk a little bit about that? How that yeah. developed? Um, when I was a very very little, that record was out and I was hearing it play and, and I was chanting along with the record. It was music. It was a vibration. It was, you know, what was, co- what was coming through was his spirit. Mm-hmm. And obviously he's a great, he was a great technical musician, great artist, but his spirit and his spirituality mm-hmm. was coming through that song. Mm-hmm. And it was also, as Phil Spector was saying, like, who's the producer? It's a hit record. I think when I watched the documentary and George Harrison was a little, I think, hesitant about putting that one out, I think, as his first single, because there was some, there was chanting in it. Yeah. And he thought, well, are people really ready for this? And Phil Spector said, well, it doesn't matter. It's a hit record. And why was it a hit record? Because, of course, the hook, you know, everything. But it was touching on something that was universal. And it was this celebratory song. Lord, because it's it's a universal word, I feel, for God. And it seems like you could say it from any religion, you know, you could be Christian saying Lord or Hindu saying Lord. We're all, we're, we're referring to the same thing. And um, I felt like that song, of course, stayed with me and George Harrison stayed with me and his work he'd done. So George Harrison has been like hovering around me, I feel like, in a lot of ways, like, I needed to get into him and his intention, the way he he connected with his music and the way he found this spiritual path and then used that became um, that became the leading message of all of his music because that's where he was at. That that was the path he was on. This is what meant the most to him in his life. He didn't try to keep it on the side, he, he brought it to the forefront in his music. He really did, and and um, it wasn't until I watched, I think it was um, Martin Scorsese did that. Yeah. yeah, is that the one that you were referring yeah. to? Yeah. It, what, that's just a great documentary about him, and um, I never realized that he was so, um, I mean, especially the Hare Krishna chant, you know, uh, that chant in particular, uh, he loved, and I, I had no idea about this, like a re- complete revelation about George Harrison. Me, I I did too, and I was so inspired by that movie. And then, you know, I met Bhakti Fest one year, so a couple of years ago or so, and I was like, why isn't anyone doing making that connection? Mm-hmm. I mean, here we are, we're musicians, and we're also part of this whole conscious movement. We like to chant, and there's so much Hare Krishna going on everywhere. And I was like, why isn't anyone doing My Sweet Lord? And I, I remember saying that out loud, and I was like, well, I'm going to do it. 
<laughs> I'm going to do it because all these people are here. We're celebrating. Let's throw it in the mix. down drums and they, it wasn't quite happening the way it was at Bhaktivedanta. So I went back to that video and I listened to it and I went, I want the exact groove that we played there. So I asked the guy, Greg, who's a really great uh, lover of our music and a friend and he had recorded it on his video camera. I said, can you get me a couple clips of just the groove from Bhaktivedanta? He sent it to me and I built the whole track around that and <laughs> loop. And in this loop was a woman who was right by the camera. There were a lot of people talking on it. So it's like a party sound. You can hear it in the beginning of the record. It was a woman like, woo, yeah, or go baby, you know, <laughs> say something. And it's like a lot of those old James Brown loops. If yeah. you, some, you hear this, woo, <laughs> you, know, you hear some noise in it. Uh -huh. And it's around every two bars and you have to keep listening to it. And then you just keep adding things on your track to kind of like cover that. So I was building this whole track without loops in it because I just love the energy of it. So that's the story about that. I was looking at the schedule and uh, for Shakti Fest, and there's a ton of feminine energy on that schedule, including you. You're you know you're playing on Friday at 7:30 right before Wa. That's a powerhouse right there. The two I of know, you. No, and I thought about I'm I'm gonna bust out like all my Divine Mother mantras, <laughs> and I'm even gonna do like a, I don't know I might just jam on something a new kind of like rock and like Ze Ze Zeppelin groove with a Kali Ma kind of. Oh wow it and just try to go through these different aspects of the mother and the feminine and I don't know I just I get up there and just try to just let it come through and that's it 
you know? It's like, let's all sing and praise, you know? Yeah. Let's all be it, so blessed that we could be feeling this right now together. Oh, it's so, it's so beautiful. And um, I'll be able to live stream your set, which, it, which it is such a, a gift to me and to everybody else, you know, because before I'd have to pick and choose, you know, the artists that I, that I could record. And it was difficult making those decisions. Um, uh, who, you know, could I include in the podcast this way? I can include almost everybody and everybody out there can be part of what's going to be happening. So, um, that's going to be really powerful. There's so many people I have to say that I'm out on tour and I talk about, of course, Shakti Fest, Bhakti Fest, and everyone asks about it. There's so many people that haven't been there yet. Yeah. And they're just like, I'm thinking about going. And I just look at them like, come, come on. The time is now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like the biggest yeah. spiritual kick in the pants that I've ever every time I go I come back and I'm changed for the better you know deeper uh, more uh, resonant with with the whole Bob thing you know so much it, it was really great to talk to you about um just about all the stuff that we've been talking about but it, it's interesting to see how your music evolved and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing you perform at shakti fest yes i'm really excited to be there it's coming up next week and i'm making all my plans to mm -hmm. rehearse right now and i might make 
might have Lily Hayden, who's a beautiful violinist, come and join me for my set. So that's really exciting. And I'm just excited to be there with everyone in celebration. And thank you so much for what you do. And you're, um, you're, beautiful, you're a beautiful person, very intelligent, and I really appreciate you doing this. Well, um, thank you. Thank these, you. these interviews, and, and where, I appreciate where your heart is. Thank you so much. I, I love, I love being able to be of service in this way. This is my way of being of service and using my skills to contribute to whatever is. It's bigger than anything that I've ever been involved with, and I just want to be in service to it, you know? Yay, and I feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. So thank you. We're in it together, and it's a beautiful place to be. Yes, and I can't wait to see you. When are you going to be getting to the Shakti Fest? Friday. Great. Well, we'll be there Thursday, but we'll, be, we'll start recording on Friday, yeah. Okay, well, I will see you there. <laughs> Great, Tana. I'll look forward to it. Okay, take care. Blessings. Yeah.